Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome back to what we hope will be the penultimate edition of the Rook Report Extra podcast. Sometimes League One seasons drawn ever closer to its end, and with it, sadly, seems our hopes of automatic promotion. Whilst all was rosy on Friday, it felt, I think, as we coasted past Doncaster live on Sky, really professional performance. But Monday's last gasp equaliser for Peterborough has put the likes of Barnsley and Portsmouth firmly in the driving seat for automatic promotion. We have the returning guest, Hugh, from the PO4 podcast, as we look forward to both teams' probably biggest game of the season on Saturday. So, Hugh, straight off the bat, I know what the mood is like in Sunderland, but how is the mood in Portsmouth? Well, obviously the Portsmouth fans are excited, but again, it's nervous because it's a big, yeah, big game. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? I think um, I said the biggest game of both teams' season. I don't think you can play that down, can you? It's massive for both of us. No, not at all. And I think that I actually highlighted uh, last week on our podcast, the Burton game as, as a massive challenge. Um, and since we got through that and now we're here, um, everyone's looking at Sunderland. With Barnsley as well, because I'll be honest, when we slipped up on Monday, obviously that, that was a hammer blow for us. And then you immediately look at Barnsley and a few people have asked ourselves, like Sunderland fans, do we see Barnsley slipping up? And, and I don't. You're in a bit of a better position, but do you see Barnsley slipping up or are you kind of... Where, where do you think Portsmouth are going to end up right here and now? I think Barnsley can uh, slip up against Bristol Rovers uh, away. I think that they're not the best goal-scoring team at the moment. Yes, they've got Kai Moore back. I've heard from Barnsley fans that he didn't play that well. He's not match fit. And I think at Bristol Rovers at home, we'll want to try and get a good result on the last day, or the last day of the season, what's been a pretty disappointing season overall for the gas. I think when you look at Portsmouth recently as well, and I mean, I obviously looked at Portsmouth's form when you had that wobble sort of around, I feel like it was like December, January time and you lost a few results and you totally dropped from what looked like you were going to absolutely coast the league to pretty much dropping the fourth and fifth and it became all about Luton essentially and it, it still is all about Luton in terms of winning the league. But Portsmouth's form 
just before Wembley and after Wembley has been superb. That must put you in a bit of a confident mood. Yeah, it does indeed. And, you know, it's been absolutely key. I'm sure we'll get on to it, but we've, we've won the midfield battle back and winning that midfield battle back has really allowed us to play our game. And um, I think we're back to our best. Yeah, no, me definitely as well from what I've seen. And what I wanted to kind of touch on as well before we maybe go into this game, because we might as well, is Wembley. Um, Wembley was very much, I think, seen the best and the worst of both sides. And I think if you talk in the first half, it was one of our best performances of the season at Wembley. I think we absolutely dominated. It could have been two, could have been three. And I think after that, Portsmouth really, really took the game to us. And it was it was a weird game in that sense. How did you feel about Wembley? Because I'm quite interested to get a Portsmouth view because it just it's shrouded in disappointment for me because of how the second half and probably extra time went as well. Uh, well, yeah, you dominated in the in the first half. It's completely fair to say. Um, it's it's been one of those storylines of Portsmouth season that in a lot of first halves we get we're getting bogged down quite a lot. And if teams sort of play on the front foot, we, we've got the habit of sort of dropping back very deep and playing into a very deep fo- uh, defensive formation. And that meant that we didn't really, we weren't able to get the ball out at all. And it was just wave after wave of pressure. Uh, you know, we changed it up a bit in the second half. Um, and when it's working for us, then I think we turned that pressure on you. And that, then it was just all about us getting that goal back. Yeah. And I think obviously it came in the 82nd minute, but it felt like it was coming pretty much from about the 50th minute. I think as soon as we realised how we came out, at half-time, um, it was a totally different game altogether. Were you surprised by the way Sunderland reacted? Because one of the stories of our season has been the inability to hold on to a lead. I think, I mean, stats on perfect here, but I'm pretty certain that out of the 18 draws we've had in the league, 13 of them have been from winning positions for us. Um, were you surprised that we sort of sat back, or do you think that was more the way you played? I'm not surprised that we came back into it because Pompey this season have, have done that all season, really. We, we sort of make it difficult for ourselves and have to have to fight back uh, to get the win. So it, it was a very similar pattern that we'll get on to talk about the games recently and how we've done exactly the same again. So it, I think Pompey fans were, you know, weren't too worried in that sense. It was a dreadful first half, but we looked to move on and see if we could see if we could win the game. And I think it was more about the way that we we got out of our half and we started passing the ball forward and finding that space and the likes of Jamal Lowe getting on the ball and really causing some havoc against your defence? I think the big one for me, I I normally pick out three players uh, from each team to watch. And I've had to do that a few times this season with Portsmouth. And I think before Wembley, I remember choosing Omar Bogle because he was on such a good scoring streak. But going into the game on Saturday, I have to pick two players that I think totally changed the game at Wembley. And and they've stayed in the team as far as I can see, which was um, obviously Ollie Hawkins, I thought was phenomenal at Wembley and it looks like although he hasn't scored he's definitely brought a lot of other players into it he's definitely been played above Omar Bogle but the big one for me was Gareth Evans how important have they been since Wembley yeah it's been very important and I think with Ollie Hawkins he sometimes gets a bit of stick from some of the Portsmouth fans as well because he's not that lethal clinical sort of finisher but as you as you guys have seen both at Fratton Park and at Wembley he's got the ability to really bring us into play later up the field um he allows the sort of quick wingers we've got and stuff to get on the ball in that space and without Ollie Hawkins being that outlet up front we can sometimes struggle to get um, the ball into into attacking positions. So, you know, Ollie coming on really, really helped in that sense. And, it, you know, it wasn't for Omar Bogle. Um, but go on to Gareth Evans quickly. He really adds that energy and, and that, that bite as well as, you know, a phenomenal amount of skill on the ball as well. So 
sometimes when we're looking for a team to press and when, when Brett Pittman has been out the team, Gareth Evans has been the captain, he's worn the armband and he really leads by example. And I think that's exactly what we needed at Wembley. Yeah, I, I was, I, I don't want to say impressed because I was kind of more annoyed, but I thought Ollie Hawkins was superb. But you mentioned Brett Pittman. Um, he's come banging on back into form, hasn't he? It looked like he was out of the picture around this, sort of Christmas, December time. Yeah, completely. And and to be honest, I was one of his critics on on the podcast that we run and also on the site because he wasn't leading the line properly. Um, he was playing up front and he, he still seemed to just be unfit. And he, the system wasn't really working, to be honest. Last season, he was the outlet up front and everything ran through Brett Pittman. But this season, he, he had to sort of change the way he played to fit into Kenny's system. And now at, at that number 10 position, he seems to have found an absolute new lease of life. And that's really helped us uh, push on as well. Yeah, and I think it looks like you have a much more settled team. Um, from Wembley, talking about recent results, mm. I do want to get on to that. Looking from Wembley, reading back each result since then, you've got Wickham 3-2, Rochdale 4-1, Burton 2-1 and Coventry 2-1. So you've won you've won four on the trot and you, you're scoring a fair amount of goals and not conceding that many. Um, has Wembley given you a lift or do you think you were on a good run of form before that anyway? We're on a good run of form, but I think if you look at it, it's seven wins, seven wins in a row now, I think, in the league, and eight if you include Wembley. So the team knew what they had to do to try and get back into this promotion race, and you know they've done that. And if you look at the results we had earlier on in the season when we were winning, they weren't emphatic wins. They were by a goal here or a goal there, um, and that that's how Pompey play, and that's really the style that Kenny Jackett plays. So yeah, we're, we're squeezing out results now, and um, Pompey fans hope we can carry that on for three more games. So the big question for me, if you're looking at, we'll go back to sort of the Charlton game, I think was the last one that you lost. I think that was 2-1 at home. What has changed in terms of maybe formation, style of play, attitude? Like what's been the big change that has put Portsmouth from, essentially, you were, I wouldn't say you were ever out of the picture, but it started looking like you might be to getting bang back into the picture and probably, in my opinion, probably my favourite to take the second place now. I mean, it's difficult to say. I mean, Charlton was away, so it's very difficult going to Charlton. You know, they're a good team, as we, as we know. Um, and they, they just played with pace and they controlled the ball. And a bit like you guys did in the first half at Wembley, they carried that on for 90 minutes and it was very difficult for us. But, you know, in the last minute, Jamalo had a chance against Charlton. He, he could have put that away. So what's changed since then? I think the team's settled. The team knows what they're doing and they're playing the style that Kenny Jackett wants them to play. But there's, there's, there's people who have who've raised their game individually all over the pitch. You've got the likes of Ben Close, who's come in and really settled in the middle. Um, he's done so well. He's just signed a new two-year with a third-year uh, contract. Um, I think he scored, I think it's six now in six in 12, something like that, six in 14, but um, from the centre of midfield. And just having that, that sort of clutch player in the middle who wins the ball back and scores and gets everything moving has been really important. Brett Pittman playing in number 10 has allowed him to sort of come off and bridge that gap between midfield and, and up front. He sort of he floats in, he, he sort of collects the ball, he sort of demands it. And that stopped Pompey playing the long ball forward too much, which was, I think, was what we struggled for in the, the first part of the um, of this year. Yeah. Um, on, to, on to Sunderland, I suppose. We've discussed it. There's, there's, there's so many options in Portsmouth team at the moment. And I don't know if it's just the demeanour around Sunderland, but I'm, I'm obviously really, really worried about Saturday. But to kind of give myself a little bit of positivity, I think it's fair to say Aidan McGeady give you the runaround at Wembley. 
Um, and I think yeah. in the game at Fratton Park, which is, you know, we spoke before that, that was sort of our only our second defeat of the season. We've only lost one since. It's mainly been the draws that have cost us. Um, I thought we were the better side in the first 45 at, at Fratton Park until Leuven's got sent off. And then at Wembley, we played really well and, and McGeady was far and wide the standout player, far and wide. And I spoke to a few Portsmouth fans who who basically lauded him as the best player in the league and I couldn't, couldn't agree more. But if there's anything that is worrying you about Saturday, which players would you pinpoint the, the big worries for you or for Portsmouth and where do you think your weak links are? I mean, Portsmouth fans are always going to are going to highlight McGeady because I think it's fair to say, even from a Portsmouth perspective, reluctantly, that I think he is the best player in the league. You know, head and shoulders above everyone else. You just, I just, I was watching the Doncaster game on TV, and every time he gets the ball, something seems to happen, doesn't it? And yeah, it, most definitely. It's a consistent approach as well. So, whilst with Pompey, we've got players, I'd say, over the pitch in some ways that might raise their game. With Sunderland, you just see McGeady on the ball, and you know something's going to happen. I, I don't know too too much on the level of um, obviously you've got Charlie Wyke up front. I think he's um, he's adds that physical presence that maybe you know you didn't have before. Um, yeah. He's good in the air. He looks dangerous. He's also underrated with his feet. He's not got the the be- best amount of pace, but you, if you guys surround him with a lot of pace and stuff, I think he could have the same uh, impact that Hawkins has on, on yourselves. Yeah, and, and Charlie White missed an absolute setter on Monday, to be fair to him, but I think he scored four in the last six, and he's, in a weird way, turned into a little bit of a talisman for us. Um, McGeady played really well on Friday night. Um, he is still kind of rather unfit, but we've got Chris Maguire back, who came on yeah. sort of the last 10 minutes and has had a great season, and he's just one of those players that gives us a massive, massive lift. Where uh, Actually, one thing I really wanted to get onto, we discussed it beforehand, and I've got to be honest, I've... I've had real issues with Portsmouth this season. Um, and I didn't expect that to come out of anywhere because obviously they're a team that's been through really, really similar stuff to us. But I don't know if it started from... You, you remember when you beat us and that Netflix course came up, you know, sorry, Netflix. And it just seems so... I don't know. I don't know what it was. But basically there's been... For me, it's been a bit of niggle between Sunderland and Portsmouth this season. From a Portsmouth side, where do you think that's come from? Um, I suppose it's one of those things, isn't it? Um, you know, I think it's fair to say the two biggest clubs in this division. We're um, very loud, very passionate fan bases in that sense. There's always going to be some some banter and sometimes that might spill over because, you know, both teams really, really want to get promoted this season. So I'm not surprised that there's a bit of, uh, well, I'd say more of a heated rivalry now going between the two teams. You know, not on the level of, say, Newcastle or, or Southampton, obviously, but, you know, in a competitive rivalry, um, I'm not surprised that both have strong fe- clubs have strong feelings about each other. I would say, though, if you at the Checker Trade Trophy final, I'd say that both the fans really mixed in really well. and it was, it was a really, really good atmosphere, you know, despite the result either way around, I would have said the same. Um, so I'd say it's, um, it's a passionate, but friendly-ish rivalry from a Portsmouth point of view. Uh, I don't think there's any any proper um, negative thoughts really coming from Pompey fans towards Sunderland fans apart from the usual stuff you get online. Yeah, potentially. Maybe I'm reading way too much into this and maybe I'm just nervous for the game on Saturday. But, Pompey um, fans are as well, Graham, mate. Pompey fans are, are feeling exactly the same. You know, it's one of those things that I think we all thought, you know, that we resigned ourselves to the playoffs potentially. Uh, we were getting ready for that. You know, I was discussing playoff matchups, etc. So I think now that Pompey fans have just got this level of very, very nervous optimism going into the game. But most fans are looking at this 
and saying probably going to be a draw, but you know, I hope not. Yeah, I, I feel a bit of a one-one because we love a one-one. We absolutely love a one-one draw. Jack Ross loves a one-one draw. So it seems this year we've done many one-ones, but just maybe to put a bit of um, faith back into us in a sense. I don't think you really want to do that, but nonetheless, you mentioned obviously about Portsmouth being so uh, nervous about Saturday as well, and understandably so. But with with Sunderland, it feels a bit. I think losing a scoring so late and then losing that goal so late, like where we all feel a bit devastated and we've all, I found this season we can sometimes be a very all or nothing fan base. Um, we're either going up and we're going to win the league or we'll resign to the playoffs and we're going to get beat. And sometimes it's been like that. I think from a Portsmouth side, do you still think Sunderland have a chance of, of getting that automatic promotion? Do you think that some fans are maybe throwing in the towel too quickly? Yeah, I do actually. I was, um, you know, I've been talking to some Sunderland fans I know and people at the club and I've just been saying that, you know, you're bonkers if you think you can't get promoted still. You know, Barnsley, for instance, haven't won four games in a row all season. They always, they're, all, they're always dropping, they're always dropping a result here and there, not always against the best teams, you know, they drew against Oxford, for instance, Obviously, they lost to Burton Albion, you know, and I, I do genuinely think that Barnsley do have the potential, even with two easiest fixtures to go, to, to draw one of those fixtures at, at least. So, something that are definitely still in it. You've got us at home. You've got, you you, you know, we're, you, you're good at home. Um, Pompey don't usually travel that well to the northeast. I, I, I would personally say that, you know, you guys should just get behind the team. If you can go one up against us at the Stadium of Light, um, get the fans roaring, I don't see why you can't come out with a win, really. It's, it's a coin toss, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the big thing about uh, Saturdays, as you said before, I fancy a draw, you fancy a draw. I, I don't necessarily know if it does anyone that good. So maybe his hand's going to be sort of, um, his hand's going to be twisted in, with Kenny Jacket and he's going to have to go for it. But how do you expect Portsmouth to line up on um, Saturday? And in terms of, do you think you'll be cautious or do you think you'll just go for the jugular? No, we'll go for the win. I'll be honest, I, I do think it could be a draw, but I'm actually going to stick my neck out and say I fancy us for a 2-1 win. Um, it's, it's one of those games that could go either way. And maybe this is just a complete leap of faith on my behalf. But at the same time, 2-1 is, is our favourite score this season. We don't really play unlike you guys, a bit more for the draw. We will, we will go for the win. We'll throw caution to the wind if we're if we're behind. Um, and if we're drawing, Kenny Jacket has said, you know, we're going to win every game if possible this season. You know, that is the aim. We're not coming to use for a draw. So maybe that will spice the fixture up a bit because we'll take chances to try and win the game. Um, Do you have any injury worries on Saturday? Nothing, no. Nothing. Damn. No. So, <laughs> I, I expect I expect the team to be fairly consistent to what started against Coventry. Although we actually, well, Coventry played us off the park in that first half completely. Um, they played with a lot of speed. They passed the ball around exceptionally well. Um, I won't go on about advanced stats. I know a lot of your some of your listeners commented last time, <laughs> but they're, they're not interested in it. I know that they don't suit Sunderland a lot of the time. Um, Blame George Ellen. I am George Ellick. Okay, okay. I won't, I won't go on about it. But what, what I will say, though, is that we, we had to make some changes, a lot like in the Checker Trade Trophy final, to, to be able to get back into that game. And that involves bringing on Ronan Curtis, who's been out injured before. He shut his hand in a door, if you don't know. And he I basically sliced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sliced the top of his finger off. He needs to be like surgically put back on and all kinds of stuff. It was, it was pretty messy. Um, 
But yeah, he came back into the team and made a positive impact. Whether he starts over Gareth Evans, I don't know. Um, and obviously, you'll be really delighted to hear this. I've been looking forward to telling you about this, Graham. Um, <laughs> uh, James Vaughan came on at halftime and started, and he made a massive difference. Oh, so really? whether yeah, so whether whether he gets makes an appearance at the Stadium of Light, I'm sure the Sunderland fans are happy to give him a standing ovation if he comes on. Oh yeah, J- James Vaughan is very well liked at Sunderland, not. Um, yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah the, the the background of James Vaughan's a bit of a funny one. He, he actually got a fair amount of support when he was up here, but decided that when he scored a goal for us away to Burton Albion from about two yards out, he would cup his ears to the fans, and that was in about November, December time. So yeah, we didn't mm. we didn't take too kindly to that, and he left not long afterwards. But he actually, how has James Vaughan been that aside? Because I haven't actually heard much of him. I actually completely forgot he almost existed. He's been pretty invisible, really, to be honest, mate. He's <clears> not <throat> he's not he's not been given a chance. He's been down in the pecking order, you know. So you've got Hawkins, you've got Bogle, who are both favoured to start. Pittman was ahead of him as well. Obviously, he's now playing 10. But he's not really had very much opportunity. So it was interesting, an interesting choice by Kelly Jacket for him to come on. I wasn't too for it at the time in the stand. But it worked. And in the end of the day, um, we got the win. So I, Kelly Jacket sometimes will go with momentum and start players that played well in in the end of the game and won us the game but I think he'll probably start it'd be a huge game I'll, I'll be surprised if Vaughan starts but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes off the bench I noticed that Omar Bogle wasn't on the bench on um, Monday is he mm-hmm. injured? He didn't make a big impact against Burton Albion when he played I don't know I don't know if he's injured but he, he didn't look himself um, and James Vaughan ended up pipping him for, for the bench so looking through the, the Portsmouth team, and what I wanted to look at was the the difference maybe between your starting lineup on Monday, I will say Saturday, compared to say the Czech Trade Trophy. It looks relatively similar, but a few really like subtle differences that have probably made the difference at Wembley. You've got um, McGivillary in goal. You've got Thompson, Burgess, Clark and Brown across the back. Yep. You've got Naylor and Close sitting. You've got uh, Jamal Lowe, Pittman, Evans as your front three. Then you've got Ollie Hawkins. Now, if you compare that to, say, the the game at Wembley, yep. I think, if my memory serves me right, I think McGivillery uh, started in goal. Uh, so yep. the goalkeeper obviously hasn't changed. Thompson, Burgess, Clark, Brown stays the same. Taylor and Close stays the same. And you've got Lowe, Pittman, but you had Kurtz and Bogle up front. So essentially, right. it's Evans and, um, and, and Pittman, the two men who did make a difference at Wembley. And as we spoke about before, They've obviously carried that on. So, are you expecting the exact same lineup apart from potentially James Vaughan on Saturday? I'm, I'm not sure whether he starts Evans or Curtis. That's the that's the main one. I assume he starts Ollie Hawkins. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, whether he brings on it's it's a real coin toss. Gareth Evans has looked better in the running for us. Uh, obviously, Ronan Curtis has been injured, but a lot of Pompey fans would like to see Ronan Curtis start for this game. He's a bit of a big game player, isn't he? He's the kind of person who creates something from nothing, and you know he can score, he can create. You know, he's got I think he's got eleven goals this season, eight assists, um, and you know he's, he, he's been out for a while now. So to be honest, it doesn't matter which way round for us it starts because if it doesn't work, he'll just change it. It'll be a direct substitution. He he was he was weirdly quiet at Wembley because he was someone who I was expecting a lot from, but I think he jammed his finger in the door about a week or two weeks 
before that, hadn't he? It, it was, it was yeah, it was longer before that. It was the first game. He just trained a few days before. So it was the first game he played and he obviously wasn't ready for it. Does he wear gloves to protect it? No, I've not seen him wearing anything. No, no. <laughs> no. Curious, curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so memories of uh, memories of the stadium are like, I have tons of Portsmouth because if we're completely honest with each other, uh, Portsmouth and Sunderland have, have been, in my lifetime, premiership teams or at least championship teams. Yep. I remember a really horrible 4-1 defeat where Kelvin Davis was... I think beaten from about 40 yards by Matty Taylor. I remember was, the Eunice uh, couple last minute. Yeah, equalizer. I remember that. That was an absolute strike, wasn't it? Yeah. What What's your memories of the stadium? Like? I've never been before, first of all, I'd like to say. Oh, interesting. So I'm, I'm making the journey up and... Um, I'm actually, I'm actually really look at, looking forward to the game. I'm having to jog my memory, mate. I'm just can't, I can't think apart from that Matt Taylor one. Let's have a, let's have a think. I'm trying to think the last time you actually were at the stadium. Like normally, I'm quite good for this. I'm pretty certain, pretty certain that it was a one-one draw, and Eunice Kabul of all people scored in the very, very last minute. I think, and I think it was the season that you got relegated with players such as uh, Ricardo Rocher, I think it was, and, and whatnot. I mean, it was Tal Ben Haim, I believe, was in the starting line. Absolutely well, shocking if that's the that, case. I'm just quickly just quickly scrolling through it now. So the last time was was a 1-1 draw. Uh, that was at our place. So And we drew again, so it was a 1-1, 1-1 draw either way. I see we beat you in the FA Cup that, that season as well, the 2010 season. Um, obviously, we, John Utaga. Yeah, what a man. Yeah, I remember he's, that. Um, he's not well thought of by a lot of Pompey fans just due to his literal inability to run. The man's got bags of pace, but he just didn't bother. You know, the ball got put through in front of him and if he didn't fancy it, he just sort of shrugged his hands and just walked back the other way rather than chasing it down. I'm looking at the the, the last team that, that just before... It was 2009-2010, as you said. It was the 12th of December 2009, yeah, which seems yeah. seems like a lifetime ago. And if we're looking through looking through the two sides, if you look at Sunland, you've got the likes of Fraser Campbell, Jordan Henderson, Darren Bent, Kenwyn Jones. For Portsmouth, you have David James, Tal Ben Haim, Herman Haridison. Oh my God, Mark Wilson and Eunice Kabul and Tal Ben Aim were all in your defence, all former Sunderland players, all former Portsmouth players. Um, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible team from us it was there. Pretty it's awful. An, it was an absolutely awful team. You know, we were having issues then, weren't we? We were trying to sell off everyone. It was it was a pretty bad time, and it was odd that we went to the cup final that season actually and just lost to Chelsea. That was in 2010, so it was that season. But yeah, no, it was that's awful. Tal Ben Aim, he was one of the worst players to wear a Pompey shirt, and I'm talking about all divisions. Uh, Eunice Kabul was widely liked at Pompey. Yeah. Well, Herman, yeah. Herman Herideson, um, again, he had bags of passion. He still comes down to Fratton Park. Uh, he still does stuff for the club. He was Mark, at Wembley as well, wasn't he, I believe? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he still he still follows the team along with um, other Pompey fans, notable ones, Ricardo Rocha. He's, I know that one of our guys who does all the reporting on goals, he, he tags him in every goal. Um, he, he's a big Pompey fan still. Yeah, Richard Hughes, he's an appalling midfielder, he was. You know, nice guy, but they called him Richard the hairdresser Hughes because he can only park short pass short back and sides. <laughs> it's uh, really, really going yeah. back. I mean, I, I actually didn't realise it had been that long since we played each other, truth be told. In, I mean, that that we're talking 10 years since you've been at the stadium. Right? So that is a long time. So 
with Sunderland, and you may have noticed that there's a lot of people who say the atmosphere is, is poor, home and away, and all this sort of stuff. And I don't really buy into it, to be honest. I don't think it's the best. I certainly don't think it's the worst. But what are your expectations of the stadium light? Are you looking forward to it? Are you getting up early, or what? What's the crack? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting up early, and um, I'm I'm not going to go back the same day. I think that's mad. No. <laughs> Can't do but, that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm getting up early on a Saturday. I'm um, getting the first train up and. You know, I drop the kit off and I'll be down to, down to the ground. But um, I think it's... I'm excited, mate. All the Pompey fans are excited. Be prepared for us to make a lot of noise, even if we're losing throughout the whole game. You know, the fans are exceptional. And, and I think our fans, particularly away from home, are, all of us will be making a lot of noise. Now, I'm a bit disappointed, actually, about our ticket allocation. I will say that. I think you could have given us a few more tickets. How I think many did you get? 2,000-something. That's quite small, Yeah. Considering the ground size, I mean, you had about the same down at Fratton Park. So, to put that into perspective, you had about what was it, about ten percent? And we yeah, could, give and, we, and we we could have sold those tickets easily to Pompey fans. They sold out in, a, in less than a day on online. So, yeah, I was hoping you'd give us a couple more. Um, obviously, you, you've travelled away this season to other teams and taken four thousand at Peterborough. I think wasn't it the other day? We've we've pretty much sold out no matter where we've went. I mean the. This season's away games, we've sold out, I think, just about every game apart from maybe like the rearranged Accrington game on like a Wednesday night. And we still took almost, I think, 1,500 down there as well. So, but I thought they would have given you more tickets for that. And I'm surprised that you've only had, you know, just over 2,000, Mark. I thought you would have had at least 3,000, but you, you said you sold out in a day, so it's going to be packed. I mean, Pompey fans sold out. It, it, went, it went to season ticket holders and it went to former shareholders and it sold out within a matter of hours. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be mental. And everyone there is, you know, it's like a golden ticket at the moment, to be honest. Fans are, are excited and it's going to be a great atmosphere. And I suppose I expect you guys to raise the atmosphere as well for such a big occasion. I don't know whether it will make a difference if you go a goal behind and we're making a lot of noise. Will that yeah, affect maybe. the fan base? there'd be many people who I think don't don't agree with me on this but I sometimes think that it can be like that when we go goal behind it's very easy to play against us like that but we've we've got a good home record we've only lost to one and that was that crazy 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 Coventry game which unfortunately looks like I mean we're talking about the game on Monday and how we conceded in the last minute probably the Coventry and Burton double header that has potentially cost us the, the automatic promotion this year but we've actually only lost one game at home this season it's just a case of probably drew a few too many but it, it can it, it can be quite a venomous place but on a positive side the atmosphere against Doncaster I don't know if you watched the game on Friday but it was the best yeah, all season yeah. we've, we've put the flags in place now we've, we've sort of started singing Wiseman say before the game again it's it feels a little bit better than it has done in a few weeks and I'm, I'm really pleased with the atmosphere it was a brilliant atmosphere on Friday but I'd like to think because the pressure's almost off us a little bit now in a weird way it's not in our hands anymore I'd like to think that if we did go goal down, like we maybe could evoke the, the rock or roll for those of us who remember it. But th- there can be sometimes a little bit of a poisonous atmosphere if we go goal down. But hopefully we won't and we won't have to discuss that at any point. But um, well, potentially. I mean, as we said, you know, we're not we're not always the best starting team, you know. So you should look to really get on us, really, mate, and, and get that first goal. And then we're not even having this conversation, are we? But, you know, I'd say to all sorts of fans, I know it's quite emotional and what happened the other day and... You guys, you know, back your team because I think you still got him with a good chance. Well, fingers crossed. But then that brings me on to uh, the game on Saturday in terms of how you think it's going to go. 
I know, obviously, as a Sunderland fan, as a fan of football, you always go with your heart over your head. But going with your head, what are you seeing on what are you seeing on Saturday? How do you see the game panning out? It's so difficult, isn't it? I actually went for on our podcast with James Robbins. Um, he's from Express FM, the local ports of radio station. We predicted every every game for all the top five teams going through to the end of the season. Yeah, and James is saying this is just that. Do you go with your head or do you go with your heart? Do you know? And it's such a coin. It's such a coin toss. I've I've got one one and I've got two one in my head. Who two? It's a Pompey. I, I think. <laughs> I, I think. You know what? But it, but it could easily be the other way around. You know, it could. It's, yeah. it's that close. You just got to look at the league table and look at the games between us. And look at the fact we had to go to penalties at, at Wembley. I mean, the, every game I think we've played this season has been Sunderland first half, Portsmouth second half, and I think both players have players that can win you a game in an instant. I think Jamal Lowe definitely would be in definitely would be in my, you know, League One team of the season. On the flip side, I think Aidan McGeady's a shoe in for that as well. We've both got players that can come up with that little bit of magic. So prediction wise, two one. Going, two one Portsmouth. Two one. You're going yeah. two one. I'm gonna go you know what, I'm gonna go one nil Sunderland. I'm not massively confident in a, a clean sheet, but I think our defence is a little different. Um, or should be a little different compared to the one you faced against Wembley. Uh, mm. Flanagan and Baldwin have both been dropped since that Coventry game, and deservedly so. Um, yeah, I saw that, yeah. I don't like to be too harsh on them, but deservedly so. You can't concede that amount of goals and that many of them be your fault and not be dropped. And although Monday was disappointing, Ozturk and, or Ozturk, the correct pronunciation, and Jimmy Dunn have been relatively faultless that they've done all right they've, they've looked solid and I think there'll be much more of a match for Ollie Hawkins than essentially two sort of I don't want to say weak because that sounds harsh but for centre-half Baldwin and, and Flanagan are certainly not the strongest whereas I think Ollie Hawkins one of the strongest in the league so I, I, I don't know why I'm, quite, I'm kind of confident of a 1-0 win but at the same time not that confident that will not mess it up against someone like Fleetwood and Southend so I'll, yeah. I'll take us. I'll take us one 0 I'll take a one 0 Nice one. I was just going to say on on your defence. I noticed that they were playing a lot more. What, how you'd say safe football. So yes. it was it was very much get it out. You know, I remember playing down the playing junior football myself, and you know my uh, my coach said if in doubt kick it out. And it yeah, seemed, get rid it, of it. It seemed a little bit like that. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. I think I think Baldwin and Flanagan definitely see themselves more as ball-playing defenders. The disappointing thing with them both is there's a reason they've both played all their, their, their football league one or, or lower. Uh, they're not necessarily that good at it. I think Ozturk is, he is what he says on the tin. He's he's a big lad. He'll, he'll head things, he'll get in the way of stuff and he'll clear it. I think Jimmy Dunn, I think, has the potential to be better and could potentially develop as a higher level, maybe championship level, don't see any higher than that. But I think while he's quite young, he's just, I think he's pretty much been told if it's in the box, get rid of it. I mean, John Marquis probably alongside Kiefer Moore, the best striker in the league potentially this season. And and John Marquis didn't get a lock in like at all between the two of them. And I can't say that, although, you know, Peterborough did score, I can't say that they really had that many clear cut chances massively. It was just a case of, we couldn't see the game out. It's just one of those things. I think it's a different challenge from against Portsmouth. Um, but I'd be, I'd be worried if it was Baldwin and Flanagan. I think everyone would. And unfortunately, that match might translate from the stands onto the players. So I think you'll probably stick with. I think O'Neill fits in at, at right back every week now. I think left back you'll have Oviedo's back, who's played yeah. very well since he's returned, and he's good player. far too good for this level. Yeah. Far too good. You're looking at a million, didn't he? 
he almost went to West Brom on loan January. But yeah, I think he was. I think he was a combined seven million with with Darren Gibson, which makes me shudder a little. You've um, got Özturk and Donald probably be the centre halves. I would imagine Catamol and Max Power, who's actually been alright the past few weeks, which is a shame. I'd like to see Ledbetter come back in for one of them, but I'm not sure who. Yeah, and then you'll have McGeady. Either Honeyman or Maguire, I think. I have a feeling Maguire might come back. And you're going to have Lewis Morgan, who's played very well the past few weeks, and will probably remain with Charlie White up top. Um, so probably unchanged, truth be told, for both teams. So, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. I think we're both nervous, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. And then, as I say, you know, you go with your hunch there, and I've gone with mine, but it could, it could go either way. I'd love to say enjoy Saturday, but... You know, do enjoy Sunland itself, but don't enjoy the 90 minutes between sort of three o'clock and, and uh, 4.45. Um, but do enjoy yeah. our, our our humble city. <laughs> I will do. And, um, and yourselves. Um, and I'm sure, no matter what the squad, I'm still going to have a good day. Yeah. And you know what? I've got a funny feeling. I don't know why. I hope not. But I've got a funny feeling we might be having this conversation in a couple of weeks just before Wembley final. But let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope not. But we'll see. And I'm always here. I love being on the podcast. Cheers. Love having you on. You have a good rest of the night. All right. Thank Thank you, buddy. Cheers, dude. Bye. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAG is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAG, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.